My name is Mira Powell, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello! Today is Saturday, April 8th. My name is Emerson Malone. I'm a podcast editor with The Daily Emerald. And I'm Will Campbell. I'm a news editor. And I'm Andy Field. I'm a news reporter with The Daily Emerald. Here are the two biggest stories from the past two weeks. The University of Oregon Journalism School community mourns the loss of assistant professor Alex Tizon. And uo for You prepares to run an uncontested campaign in the ASUO election. Hey there. While we have your attention up top, I just want to redirect your attention over to some other Emerald podcasts we have. There's The Idea Industry, which is hosted by Francisca Monahan and Emily Calais. They're talking about that Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad that everybody loved and is likely going to get a lot of advertising awards. And we also have a great podcast about Oregon basketball from Jack Butler and Gus Morris. They had a conversation the morning after the Ducks lost by one point to the North Carolina Tar Heels. There's also Will Campbell, who's directly across from me, talking about soccer with Sean Meadow. And then coming up, we'll have another podcast introducing you to the Emerald's new editor-in-chief for the 2017-18 school year, Jack Pitcher. And we're crowdsourcing questions for this, so if you have anything you'd like to ask this guy at all, please leave a comment on our SoundCloud or on the Daily Emerald page. Our lead story today, University of Oregon journalism professor and Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist Alex Tizon died Thursday, March 23rd at his home in Eugene. He was 57. Andy, what can you tell us about Tizon's life and career? So he, he was actually a, a UO alum and, and he he was an assistant professor at the, the UOSOJC, the School of Journalism. So his career, he, he had a 17-year career as a reporter for the Seattle Times. And during that time, he, he won a Pulitzer, the 1997 uh, Pulitzer for Investigative Reporting for uh, covering corruption in, in, in this uh, federal housing program for Native Americans. He also worked as the Seattle bureau chief for the, the LA Times. I remember before I came to University of Oregon, I was flipping through the, the Atlantic magazine and I, I ran across a story about missing bodies in, in Alaska. And um, it was a terrific story. And I, I went up and, and looked up the author and it turns out it was Alex Tizon. And, and he was in the University of Oregon and I was headed that way. So that was a really cool moment for me um, to be reading, uh, you know, professor um, in such a huge publication. And I, I've, I was never able to meet him, but um, yeah, that was that was big. Yeah, me neither. I, I actually read his book, Big Little Man, which was a book he wrote while being a professor here. And it was a lot about, you know, what his experiences um, immigrating uh, from the uh, Manila, Philippines from a young age with his, uh, his family and um, growing up and, and kind of kind of what it means to be an Asian man in America. And, and there's a lot of uh, societal portrayals of Asian men as weak and, and you know, inferior and, in, you know, masculinity to, you know, other races in the U.S. So Ani kind of addresses that. And I was ready to take his class in, in spring term. I was really looking forward to it. You spoke with a few of his students in the days following this news breaking. What did they have to say about him? You know, I talked to one student. Um, she's a senior, Shirley Chan. She actually took his class. It was her first class ever at the J School. And it really energized her. You know, he he, uh, he was a very passionate speaker, and he energized a lot of people to be very excited about uh, being being a journalist major and have a lot of pride in it. And so she was taking his last class too, and it was also her last class. And she and he, he has very um, unconventional structure to his classes. Um, he makes it very conversational, and he actually, 
you know, let students be very open in class about, you know, how they're feeling if they're, if they felt like they couldn't put their best effort on an assignment, he'd let them, you know, give them an avenue to, you know, speak out about it. And so he even gave every student his phone number, his personal phone number, and to open these, these lines of communication with him in, in ways that are a little different. He liked a very personal human approach. On Tuesday this week, there was a memorial in Allen Hall for Tizon and you attended and reported on it. What did faculty and students say there? So we have an instructor here called Lisa Hayamoto, and she was actually an intern at the Seattle Times, uh, working across the desk from Alex Tizon, and and he took her under um, his wing and and, and mentored her during the time. She was very inspired by one of his stories he wrote in, in 2000 about a high school janitor who becomes a successful fiction writer. She was very inspired by his, um, that work and she'd show it to all her all her um, journalism students all the time it, it just happens to be a coincidence that she ended up being an instructor at the U of O and 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 he would become one as well and he even described it as his dream job while while he was a bureau chief at the LA Times um, uh, as a professor yeah to be a professor at the UO because he, he graduated from the UO um, and he said that's his dream job and the, the UO ended up taking him in and so he was kind of reunited with uh, Professor Hayamoto. The thing that she said you know she wanted to emphasize a lot was that she found it so inspiring that uh, seeing him captivate students um, the same way he he you know energized her and um, in, into, in the profession. Professor Alex Tizon happened to write a story about you know Professor Hayamoto's parents who are massage therapists, and they open a museum, a massage museum, and a lot of they were getting a lot of press for it. You know, you know, we all know that kind of story, that novelty story, that that, that oh, this is a wacky couple doing this wacky thing, you know, something you know different. But she said that when Alex covered it, it was different. He really went down deep into you know why were they so passionate about this, and and what would get someone to pursue this so that was that was something I felt that was I really got to the heart of, uh, of what made him so special as a reporter our second story only one student group is running in the ASUO elections UO for you members of the group spoke at an Emerald Town meeting earlier this week on Tuesday to answer audience questions and justify their pursuit of student government leadership here at the university even though they're the only party running will why does it matter that only one party is running in this election well, I think this whole thing has drawn up some interesting conversation because there's this idea that you need um, competition. You need competition in order for people to do their best. The ASU doesn't have any recorded history of only one party running, so we don't really know what is going to happen. And we could, you could say we don't know what's going to happen even if there were two parties running. But I think only, with only one party running, a lot of people argue that it'll just breed in, uh, incompetence because they aren't competing. But I don't, I mean, there's this whole other side that it's a good thing because they aren't competing and so they don't have to be nasty with each other and actually they can actually work together and get things done because the, the slate that's put together is, is, is made up of some individuals who don't have this exactly the same viewpoints and so there's a little bit more diversity in this slate. I think it'll be interesting um, I, and I don't think that there's any reason we should think that this slate will be bad. I, th- there's some very qualified people on this on the slate, and I, I'm looking forward to see what they can accomplish. In the town hall meeting, they talked about inclusivity, affordability, and accessibility for students. These are kind of three points that the university is looking to improve in its student body. So with inclusivity... So Tess Moore, um, the, one of the vice presidents for the slate, was talking about creating a mandatory cultural competency training uh, for freshmen. And so that would be an interesting way to 
um, get freshmen, um, I guess, a little bit more in tuned with um, different cultures and 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 help in that regard. Um, and affordability, we all know that tuition prices are rising, and so this late's really going to um, aim to help with the tuition. And they're trying to prevent the tuition raises as much as they can and ease the burden on the students. But the degree of authority that the ASU has on tuition increases is that they're just an advisory role. Yep. Uh, their students sit on something called the TFAB, which is an advisory committee on, on tuition, you know, tuition increases and, and things like that, where they really work with administrators. It's a committee where they they send a recommendation to to uh, you know shill about if you know how much to raise tuition by, and yeah, um, I'm I'm yeah I've is Shank she which candidate is she? She's she's running for the presidency. What's her first name? Amy. Amy. She's been doing a lot of um, you know campaigning. Um, she had she had she was very. She actually brought. I remember she was. Uh, she brought forth, you know, demands um, for sanctuary campus. She was very much in in charge of spurring that that whole thing. Which ties into the inclusivity part. Yeah, you know, she she does have a background in a lot of activism work. Um, but from what I've seen, you know, stories I've reported, events I've reported on the past, I I remember clearly. You know, she was just part of the whole sanctuary campus movement. So the last plank of UO for U's platform looks at. It's, it's accessibility. It looks at food security and mental health care. Could you explain that, Will? So the third thing that they're trying to focus on is accessibility. And one of the things they're trying to do is establish a food pantry on campus. And um, this will help out students who don't have food. Lane County is notoriously insecure when it comes to food. Yeah, and there are actually... There and are, Oregon in general. Right, and so there are students with these problems that they don't have access to food and they have uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of problems feeding themselves. Amy Shank also told the Emerald that she's reached out to the student food pantry on 19th and tried to coordinate with them to ask them to move onto campus and consider shedding their religious affiliation. Another thing they're trying to do is uh, they're trying to fund mental health for students, uh, which is a big, big part of the platform. And when Amy was in the town hall and she was talking about that, it seemed to really um, have a special uh, importance to her. What do we know about the ballot measures in the election? So when students go to vote for the ASU president, which is when Monday, then they are also voting for ballot measures, um, which will affect the ASUO and f- where some certain funds will go. And one of these things is for the funding of Osberg. So that's a ballot measure this year. One of the ballot measures is to um, funding is to fund Osberg. This ASU election. This ASU the, election. Is that is that is that the ballot measure for this one? This it's election? one of the ballot measures for this election. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So a student will have an opportunity to choose whether or not to support Osberg. Is it through the incidental fee? Yep, that's right. The I fee. Okay. And what are the other ballot measures? The other ballot measures refer to the ASUO. Um, go ahead and check them out online at dailyemerald.com. Perfect. And again, we vote on Monday. We vote on Monday. Head to the polls because democracy is It's going to be a important. tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Don't know who to vote for in this one. You know, and and this will be really important too because, um, you know, a lot of younger people are very upset about what happened at this recent presidential election. And so this is a really good way to exercise your d- democracy is to go and vote even for these student groups. Um, so go to the polls and vote because it should be part of everybody's The poll duty. being duck web. Duck web. Right? Go to the polls. Yep, that's where you vote. You vote on duck web. 
It's very fast. All right. Um, well, I have one last question. Okay. What's it called when you have a tortilla and you sort of put some salad inside and then you roll it up? Um, a... Oh, it's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's all we have time for today. My name is Emerson Malone. And I'm Will Campbell. I'm Andy Field. If you'd like to hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, or you can listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.